0: Hello lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro-wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we have a very interesting and fun one in store for all of y'all today. Of course, back in May, May 12th to be exact, of this year, Effie's Big Gay Brunch went international, and with the 7th north american edition of the show coming up this weekend saturday morning uh up in chicago and during all-out weekend um we decided to take a look back at what went down in liverpool in the tnt extreme ring whenever Evie's big gay brunch went international this week is All about Effie's Big Gay Brunch UK. And joining me on the show to run through the show, unpack everything from it, um, we have the host of uh, the BBC LGBT Sport podcast, Jack Murley. You know, someone who over in the UK is doing a lot of the same work that I'm doing here in, in North America for putting a spotlight on LGBTQ pro wrestlers and LGBTQ pro wrestling as well. You know, Jack isn't just a, a podcast host or a journalist with the BBC, but also does uh, Moonlight as a as a commentator at times as well. You know, he's been on the call for uh, the WAW uh, Norwich Pride shows um, the past couple of years. If I'm not mistaken, and uh, it's been—it was a really fun uh, chance to sit down and and chat with him and put our minds together to talk about some supremely queer wrestling here on the show today, uh, as a little bit of a primer for what we have coming up this weekend too, uh, as well. So many great uh, out and proud LGBTQ talents on, on this show, and and it was a really a a blast to finally get to watch it over on. Uh, TNT wrestling's pivot chair. So we're going to get into that before we do. Like I said, we have a big weekend of wrestling coming up. We had a big weekend last weekend Um, just to hit some high points that I I have to again, shout out. Um, I know I wrote a bit about these, some of these moments, but you know, we saw history made in an NWA ring Saturday night, Max, the Impaler becoming the first ever non-binary champion in the history of the NWA just a beautiful, beautiful moment, especially seeing Max coming out with the non-binary flag and seeing the response and the adulation that they received in that moment. And then going on to just straight up uh, murder Kinsey page <laughs> and, and take that belt. All really awesome to see uh, to another end. We go across the pond over to London, the show that Jack was at live uh, all in where we saw Anthony Bowen's and, uh Soraya capture titles uh to more out lgbtq talents uh capturing gold in you know what we can now say is one of the largest international uh pro wrestling promotions out there it's really awesome to see and of course uh, we have to shout out uh past guests of the show Rico Gonzalez for uh winning the the tournament up at naptown all Pro uh, and walking away with the midwestterritory.com championship chain. Uh, I've seen a couple of the clips of, <laughs> of some of his matches on that show, uh, circling the, the socials and everything. And let's just say that Rico brought the four up there, and it, it was truly a sight to see. <laughs> but I'm very excited for whenever that show drops on IWTV. To check it all out and really cool to see them like partnered up with, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, uh, Shrees, the um, uh, the uh, hip hop festival up there in Indianapolis. Really awesome work that J Rose and Chase Holiday and Hoodfoot and Sean Kemp and, um, and Calvin Tankman are putting in to that promotion. They're building something really special up in that area. And, of course, last weekend brings us to this weekend. Of course, AEW All Out is happening in Chicago, but the real highlight of the weekend for, for myself and a number of the people that listen to the show, I'm sure, is the Effie's Big Gay Brunch 7 in Chicago, um, headlined by Bussy versus Sunny Kiss and Pimpinella Escarlata. Um, love to see Pimpy. Getting a, another uh, appearance on the Big Gay Brunch and and loving the pairing with Sunny Kiss, you know the, um, very much embodies the spirit of a, of an Exotico at times, um, and it's just a, a wonderful pairing. I absolutely adore it. Um, also, you know, just <laughs> Sawyer Rack and Billy Dixon is coming up on that show. Um, it's just, I, I don't even know what's going to happen there. Just knowing Billy's predilections for deathmatch and, of course, who the hell Sawyer Wreck is um, and the reputation that she has cultivated over the last year plus uh, in the deathmatch scene. I know this isn't necessarily being advertised as a deathmatch, but you know what it's going to boil down to in some way, shape, or form there. (laughs) So we'll... we'll We'll see how violent that's get, but the, the card is all over the place. You know, Ashton and Dylan teaming up against Finesse and and Alex Mays, both of them making their debuts there. Karam coming back to face Pero. You know, we have the, the Midwest versus East Coast uh, tag team match that looks to be super dope. Just a really awesome show top to bottom that I'm really excited for on Saturday. So And, and we'll be covering that as well. And so one more thing I wanted to get to uh, before we jump into my conversation with Jack is um, our next Patreon bonus show is up now and live over on Patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Uh, we have our third episode of required reading with myself and my uh, good friend and collaborator Hollis. Um, you know, this is a, a show that normally is reserved for the uh, the $5 backers over there for the, the roster of Lovelies members that want to show a little bonus love and, and get something in return there. Um, this month, you know, we had a plan. We threw it out. I already mentioned that in in, in past episodes of this show. But, um, you know, we sat down and, and recorded a show all about Terry Funk, you know, after, um, after his uh, passing last week. Uh, and for that show... You know, we we looked at his nineteen eighty three retirement match with, you know, teaming with his brother Dory, going up against Stan Hansen and Terry Gordy over in, in all Japan and um and then we uh, paired that with Roadhouse because of course it's fucking Roadhouse and Terry Funk is great in the I think how did I put it on the podcast, the criminally low amount of screen time that Terry Funk got in that movie. So um it was just kind of our way of celebrating Terry Funk's life in in the, you know, the, the wake of what happened last week. And um, we're making that episode absolutely free to everyone. Um, it's up on the Patreon right now for free. Anybody can access it. Um, and it'll be coming to this podcast feed at a, at a later date for sure. Um, but yeah, that's up and available for everybody to check out over there uh, at, at patreon.com slash pod. And, uh, keep your eyes out for that next month. We've already now announced this, but next month, um, we're going to be talking about Bray Wyatt and, and my plan is to have that show be free as well. Um, uh, because we should all be able to kind of commiserate and celebrate the lives of these two outstanding, um, not just pro wrestling talents, but outstanding people as well. So yeah. So check that out over there. It's great. Um, That being said, let's hop right into our Big Gay Brunch UK discussion with Jack Murley. All right, guys, gals and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the ring and is very pleased to have as my guest this week helping me work through the uh, chaos that we saw at Effie's Big Gay Brunch UK, the international debut of the LGBTQ Pro Wrestling Showcase. Um... It's only right that we bring on uh, someone who has not only interviewed a number of the people that were on this show already, but has tapped in to the UK uh, pro wrestling scene a bit, uh, as well as the LGBTQ sport uh, side of things here as well. We have the host of the BBC's LGBT sports podcast, as well as the Earning the Push wrestling podcast, one Jack Murley here today. How are you doing today, Jack? I'm very
1: well. Thank you for that introduction. That was like a Howard Finkel style really (laughs) big me up. Um, it's It's a pleasure to be here doing this. I'm a huge fan of you. I'm a huge fan of what you do. And I've loved wrestling since day dot, you know, as long as I can remember, I've loved wrestling. So I'm excited.
0: I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk about the show. I've been wanting to talk about this show since it was announced back in the spring and then it happened in May. And I was bummed that it wasn't live streaming anywhere. And then we ended up finding it on the you know, they put it up on their on Progress's pivot share. Um hopefully it's gonna make the jump over to the the new Progress streaming service and that sort of thing. But but yeah, I'm I'm so happy that I was we were able to make this happen and to actually like watch this show because Um, you know, I, we've covered on this show, we've covered like every big game brunch so far. Right. And they've all been a distinct form of chaos. I think that's just the word that we always throw out there with these shows, but they're, they're super fun. And I really loved the idea whenever this was announced of, of going over to the UK and showcasing all of the talent that is over there as well, because like, you know, on this show, in like the grander, like American indie scene, like it can be very centralized to where we're at. Right. You know, the big gay brunch has done a lot of good work to feature international talent on the shows over the years, but it's, it's one thing to like, you know, bring in a Silvio Milano or bring in a Shea Purser onto these shows. And it's another thing to take this to that area and provide a space for even more of the, of that scene to, to get a taste of what this event can do yeah absolutely and
1: we've wanted this for a long long time here in the uk because the uk scene is red hot anyone listening to this show will know that in britain we love our wrestling it, it's just part of our culture right and what we've seen over the past few years are lgbtq plus folks on the uk scene begin to be their authentic self and to share their stories. And I know from the folks I've spoken to, they've been looking across the Atlantic and they've been seeing what Effie's been doing and they've been seeing the talent being able to be their authentic self and they've wanted something like this. And in the UK, we've had pride shows, PCW's put on a pride show, WAW in Norwich has has put on its own pride shows and I've been lucky enough to call both of those. And you can see what it means to the competitors to, to be there But let's make no mistake, Effie's is the brand. That's the one. So when we heard it was coming over to the UK, and not only to the UK, but in Eurovision weekend. I mean, are you across Eurovision? Do I need to explain to listeners on your side of the pond what it is?
0: I know what Eurovision is. I think it might be safe to maybe like a quick explanation of Eurovision for the people that aren't in the know.
1: Okay, so so I, I bring this up purely because there is a reason why Effie's boarded to Liverpool at this time of year. Eurovision in a nutshell is a big European-wide singing contest. Every country nominates a singer, they go to a country, they sing, there's a televote, someone wins, someone loses. It is a huge camp spectacular. And it came to the UK for the first time in Donkey's years this year. It was in Liverpool. And Effie being a smart business person, I'm sure, took a look at that and thought, that's my crowd. They'll love wrestling as well.
0: I mean, he is he is not wrong at all. I mean, but I I feel like Eurovision is like the height of camp for the European calendar in a lot of ways.
1: (laughs) It is. And you know, I've been saying this to other people because I know, as I'm sure you do in your life, lots of people who don't get wrestling. And I was like, Eurovision is like wrestling just without the physicality you got the big screens the pyros the characters the stories if mm-hmm. you love Eurovision you're probably gonna love wrestling and so Effie's just gone yeah let's whack them both in the same city let's get all those people together
0: <laughs> no it's extremely smart it's a it was an extremely uh great choice of timing for having the show over there and it and I think it worked out like not only for like you know the Lana Austin Um, Eurovision tie-in that we saw on the show, but also like, yeah, like you're going to, it's the perfect chance to bring in a new audience. And that's what this show is all about. It's all about bringing in an audience that either a didn't see a place for them to feel like safe in a wrestling environment or people that, you know, have never really experienced this before and are going to get a completely unique taste of what pro wrestling can be.
1: And it was also smart because the eyes of the British media were on that city anyway. So everyone's looking at Liverpool. So you've got over this way, media organizations like the Metro, which is a big paper, and they're suddenly looking at FE and looking at big gay brunch. So so you know what it's like when you're a journalist, you're looking for stories. And suddenly all these folks who may never have given wrestling a second look are going, not only have we got international wrestling in Liverpool, but it's got an LGBTQ plus angle as well we got to get a bit of that. So it seemed like all the stars aligned. And I, I suppose the cruel irony in this is that without banging on too much about Eurovision, this is a wrestling pod, but the UK was never meant to host it. It was only the the war in Ukraine, which meant the UK hosted it because Ukraine won and couldn't. So it was mm. one of the cruel ironies that it just played out in the way it did.
0: Oh, that, I didn't realize that that was, I didn't realize that, that was why the UK was hosting it, but yeah, that that is kind of bittersweet there, but it, you know, obviously, you know, Everything worked out well enough, so um, yeah. But, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't get to talk Eurovision that much, so this that was. I'm I'm glad to have the moment there. <laughs>
1: I'm glad I'm giving you that moment. You see, because I think, like with wrestling, there are people out there who go like who've got a secret yearning for Eurovision, and they never mention it till someone gives them that opportunity, that safe space, and out it comes. And do you feel better for it, Brian? Do you feel good for
0: letting it out? Very much so. Very much so. I, I will say this: if there's a crowd in in the states that is into Eurovision, it is definitely the gays. So, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Well, speaking of the gays, let's jump into the Big Gay Brunch UK here. Um, We have a number of outstanding matches. We have uh, talent from from our side of the pond coming over there as well. But this really is about featuring um, the talent that has come up in in the British scene as well, and that it did. Um, I guess we can start off with – obviously, we can start off with the first match, but I feel like the first moment to really talk about is just Mark Adams in that ring, they're like coming in to to welcome the crowd and everything, and just seeing the response from the fellow, um, like TNT Extreme Brass and the commentators that were in the ring with them. Like, you know, just seeing the emotion on Mark's face when they're like bowing to him and hugging him, and the fact that he's getting to introduce this show for the first time. Like, I've never had the, uh, the chance to speak with Mark, I don't know if you have, um, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on like what that image kind of communicated to you i've never had the chance to speak with with mark
1: a proper in-depth conversation sort of one of those people i know through social media and you go back and forth over certain things i think we take for granted what a huge moment it is to have someone from the community in a ring with pride flags and the pride colors surrounding them and being able to be their authentic self. And I know you speak about it so much on on your show here, and we speak about it on ours. It really wasn't that long ago that 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 would just have been a complete no-go. It just wouldn't have happened. And so to see someone stand in a ring as their authentic self and just receive the adulation of the crowd really is special. And and it, it still gets me every time because I can remember the first time I saw representation like that in a meaningful sense was Finn Balor's entrance at a WrestleMania. And even though I am as out and as proud and as gay as it's possible to be, that still meant a lot to me, like to see Finn Balor with that rainbow insignia on his shirt. And so to see someone like Mark on a different stage, a, a different way of doing things, the independent scene, although TNT is an incredible promotion, just being his authentic self, is just it set the tone but i don't think we can take it for granted what it means to the individuals
0: yeah yeah and, and i think it was very fitting that he kind of opened his his remarks there with talking about speaking with someone in the wrestling business who said you know queer wrestling will never work and i'm like i mean the environment that you're standing in right now speaks otherwise obviously <laughs> as well as the past like five years <laughs> what we've seen grow
1: but isn't that the The thing is it's both that person was completely wrong in saying that whenever they said it, but only because people like Effie took that leap of faith because I'm sure when that person said it, they were only basing it on their lived experience, which is, look, we know what wrestling is. this isn't gonna draw, this isn't gonna look okay, no one, let's just focus on the wrestling in the ring and for someone to make that leap and go no there is an audience our community wants to see us represented and look at all the things we can be really does matter and it really is significant and i think that's one of the things that we need to remember is is how much wrestling has moved forward but how much it's taken the bravery of folks just kicking that door open in some cases in others just inching it open a little bit and allowing them to be themselves It it's it is incredible. It's quite moving. I don't know how you feel about it, but I still do feel moved when I see these things.
0: Oh, I I feel incredibly moved when I see these things because I know that for all of the the work that has been done to make wrestling a better space for our community, there's still plenty of work to be done, you know. And but the fact that we still have so many people that are determined to do that work and are determined to not, um, to not let the historic, uh nature of pro wrestling or like the old head mentality in pro wrestling continue to define it. Like they're they're willing to write new chapters in this story. They're willing to write new definitions for what pro wrestling can be to audiences and audiences are receptive to it. Um like that's that that is never lost on me. And I I'm already kind of an emotional person. So like things get to me very easily. Um (laughs) but so so Oh, no, it's not bad at all. Like, I, I, I enjoy it. Like, I, I don't know what I would be if I wasn't, like, one of those people that cries at, like, the Muppet movie or something. Um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's a
1: sad movie, though. Man or Muppet, that's a sad song.
0: Very, very. Um, But, but no, like, it, it's never lost on me, and, and I don't think it ever will be. Um, The minute it does, that that's the minute I need to get out of what I'm doing because that's, like, I'm not feeling things anymore, you know, and I, I don't know if I want to be in that.
1: But you know what I think as well is I think that there there will obviously be, and I don't know, I've not seen the ticket sales. I'm not sure they would do a breakdown like this. But if I was being a betting man, I would assume the vast majority of folks there would be LGBTQ+. But I'm sure for other folks, they are just there because they're TNT faithful or they're there because they wanted a good time or they saw flyers being handed out in the street. I don't know, but they're not from the community. So for them to go in and not only have their eyes open to what wrestling can be, but also to what it means to be LGBTQ plus in, in wider society, because as we'll talk about later, you've got the likes of Paro, you've got the likes of Effie, you've got Shay A, you you've got all these different folks from the community who live their lives in different way. And what is true of wrestling is true of life. So what I, what moves me more is I like to think that, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's quote, just a wrestling show, but it ain't, it's so much more than that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's never just a wrestling show. It's never just a wrestling show, especially to like the people from our community that are in that audience. And you know, I like to think that it is sort of an educational avenue for for people that are not part of the community that are just there. Like I would hope that TNT fans who just are like they go to every event and they just went to this one because that's just what they do that that they absorb something more than just what the wrestling provided. You know, like the, I feel it like that's even
1: be conscious. May it, it might just be a they may never know.
0: Yeah, it might be, but I mean, like you know, we speak to this a lot on on this show. Like it, any little bit of normalization that can happen, even like even subconsciously, like that's that's a that's a net positive, and that's something that, that those people are going to take with them when they leave that building. And
1: also, I think it is true. You don't put too fine a point on it because at some point someone's going to say, "Yeah, it is just a wrestling show," and there is a. a, But for our community as well, how many folks have you and I both spoken to, who have said, "I thought being gay or bi or pan or non-binary or or from the trans community, however you choose to define yourself, I thought it meant X." And because I thought it meant X and I didn't fit exactly into that box, maybe I was 90%, but I had 10% something else. Maybe I was 50, 50. Maybe I couldn't quite conceive that I could be that because maybe I didn't want a label. They can see on this show, the variety of what it means to be your authentic self. So it will be empowering for those folk who may even just in their head, think something as simple as I think I'm thinking from the community, but I don't know how they might go away and go, well, look. At least I got some food for thought and some brilliant wrestling as well. I mean, you can't understate the value of these things.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Anything that can that that can help inform yourself in that way, like because like there is no right way to be gay, right? There's no right way to fit into this community. It's all about how you express that for yourself. It's how you define it for yourself, in a yeah. way. And like I, I've
1: been sorry. Yeah. Go on.
0: Oh no no no. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say I, I've I've.
1: See, you're talking to another broadcaster and another other <laughs> commentator, you see. So I, so I apologize in advance for all that. But I, I've i been on that journey myself. You know, when I was, and, and I knew I was gay very young and I didn't have the, the struggle of it. I mean, and by that, I mean, I knew what I was, but I didn't know how the world would react to me. So I never had the uncertainty when my mates started fancying girls, I started fancying guys. And I thought, well, okay, that is certain in me. I don't know how the world's going to deal with it. And one thing I've evolved on is, just something as simple as someone wearing the rainbow. There was a point where I think I would have been that gay guy and there's nothing wrong with this. If this is you, where I was, Oh, I don't need to wear that. I don't need to do that. I don't want, I, you know, why do I have to mark myself out as different? And as I've got older and I've heard more stories and I've matured, my personal journey, just me is actually, that's really important and it it means a lot to do that. And so I think that wrestling shows like this show the journey that folks can go on. And as you say, there is no one way to do it. And even in our own personal journeys, we may start thinking X, we may start going on to Y.
0: It's a journey. No, it definitely is. I mean, you know, like my, like, not to necessarily keep focusing on on us on this, but like in a similar way, like, you know, my journey to kind of realizing that I was non-binary, like really went through it. Part of that went through a wrestling lens. Right you know? Um, and so like, whenever I kind of came to that determination back in like 2020, like that was just like, it, it, it felt right the minute that I felt it, but I just didn't like see it because I wasn't allowing myself to see it because like, I didn't, I wasn't like femme enough or something like that. Or like, I wasn't mask enough. Like I was just somewhere nebulous or whatever. um, And then really, I, t- it took me a long time to realize that, like, no, I, I made the decision on where I'm at in this like spectrum and that sort of thing. And pro wrestling did help with that, you know, seeing a lot of the outstanding non-binary talents and, and the differences of expression, outward expression of, of gender and that sort of thing. So I'm with you on that pro wrestling has a power has a power to, to educate and to, and to bring people to new places in their, in their personal lives. So <laughs> it really does. Yes. Um, well, well, we have that beautiful moment with Mark in the ring, and then we get our first match, Billy Hayes versus Jay Joshua. Um, obviously, this match originally was supposed to be Billy Hayes versus Cassius. Um, I'm not sure why Cassius was, wasn't able to to be on the show, but we got a hell of an opener here. woof. Uh, I, this is everything I like about professional wrestling
1: because, in a way, the story is really easy to latch onto. You've got tag team partners. You've got one, Jay Joshua, who is a bit bigger, a bit grislier, a bit stronger. And you've got the other, Billy Hayes, who's arguably a little bit more technically talented, arguably a little quicker, arguably a, a little faster. And I don't know what was said to them backstage, but you knew they were fired up for this opener. And if the definition of an opener is go out and get that crowd hot and and set the tone for the show, boy, did they ever. Because it was an amazing technical match. I was with it the whole way. Some of the moves, a a Michinoka driver, a um, a GTS from Che Joshua, a top rope double stomp from Hayes. I mean, it was (laughs) physical, to put it mildly
0: very much so like i felt like you know there was a good little like, back and forth between them in the beginning you know they took off their their armbands that represented their tag team to put it to the side like okay for one match like we're just going to take these off we'll be fine afterwards um and like they're trading blows but then i feel like it starts to change a bit when they go to the outside and you get the uh you get jay slamming billy into the barricade from powerbomb position um that that old special there uh and then it just they're off to the races just just kicking the the crap out of one another and you know billy flying over the ring like suicide dives and and really showcasing both of their like unique move sets and and skills and why honestly why they work so well as a tag team together i feel like is that like they're two halves of like this um this really potent offensive tag team
1: yeah, and, and and I bring to this no skill as someone inside the ring, but as a longtime watcher and, and broadcaster of wrestling, it's hard to have tag team partners square off with each other because fans are used to seeing folks together as a unit. That's what we like. That's what, what even if you are two singles competitors who come together, people want to see you together um So when you said you're going to split your part, and you're going to have to go against each other, and we're going to have to work, walk this fine line where one of you maybe is going to have to be the antagonist, one's going to have to be the protagonist, but we're going to put you back together afterwards. So you can't be too dastardly. You can't. That is a really difficult needle to thread because if, as we have to for all wrestling, your bottom line assumption is you've got to make the audience think it's real after you know, you've got that swing into the barricade off the powerbomb position. If that was your tag team partner, you might well look at them and go, "What? we can't tag after that. Look at what you've done to me. But I, you know, I <laughs> thought I thought they just had the crowd all the way through it. And as someone who hasn't seen a huge amount of their work together, I want to go back and see them again now. I will go out of my way to see both of these individuals. That for me is the mark of a great match. If someone can come to it relatively cold and at the end go, all right, I didn't know what I was expecting. But I got value for money, and also I love the finish. Smaller guy winning with a fiz- with a with a submission. Wonderful.
0: Yes, yes. I the the finish was great. Like the 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 like kind of build up to the finish was also really good there as well. And you're right. Like I feel like the main the main goal for for any wrestler, I feel like who is wrestling in front of an audience that hasn't seen them before or isn't as familiar with them is creating that desire to go seek out more of their stuff. I hadn't seen really, I think this is the first match I've seen Jay Joshua in. And, you know, I'd seen a little bit of Billy before. Um, I've, I haven't seen them tag before, but now like like you, like I'm, I'm searching for the sad boys.
1: <laughs> and, and if you're that audience we're talking about who may have come to this cold as well, may, maybe you, you've come to this show because, you know, the Paros, you know effie you you know uh charles crowley you you know those people you have got value for money and and these these guys have set the scene and and if you were going to a show maybe you've not seen lgbtq plus wrestling before um or allies wrestling before and you don't know what you're going to get that has said you're going to get hard hitting you're going to get technical skills you're going to you can relax this isn't going to be this is wrestling okay and I just think it was wonderful
0: yes no this was a a perfect opener for this show it really set the tone for the rest of the night um like if not for a a couple of other things that that happened on this show like it might have been my match tonight. it ranked high up there like it was just an awesome first introduction to, to these guys um and i i cannot wait to see more honestly so i'm going to be scouring youtube to see uh which promotions are putting their stuff up over there
1: <laughs> Ab- absolutely and and that is what it's about because what a stage for for these folks I, I thought it was fantastic and and for me i thought it also showed what a simple story you can tell from a standing start and and i'm a big believer in wrestling that you can innovate and you can put different spins on things, but essentially wrestling is, is fairly simple in terms of make it look competitive, have it be dynamic, tell your story, and, and and you can get a crowd reaction. And they there were no bells and whistles. There were no gimmicks. It was just a really, really good wrestling match. It kind of reminded me in, in an odd way, maybe not in what we had in the ring, but just in terms of that dynamic. Do you remember when FTR, it may have been an Owen Hart tournament match a couple of years back in AEW and FTR squared off against each other in that yeah that's
0: like opening round of the Owen Hart tournament yeah
1: yeah and and it sort of reminded me of that Uh, okay this is this is a bit rogue didn't see this coming intrigued by it oh that's just really good wrestling that's sort of what I felt what we got here
0: no I I do like it whenever tag team partners squared off a bit because like you know they know each other really well so they're able to work out all these new sequences and reversals and and ways to make each other shine that are unique from whenever they're wrestling someone else. So like yeah, I, I can definitely see the comparison between this one this match and and the FTR singles match from from a couple years ago for sure. Um, God yeah, this was just God, it's just such a good opener. It's just such a good opener. God, I'm getting I'm getting all worked up and excited all do, over. Do again. you want to
1: go watch it back? That's the thing I'd say.
0: Oh, oh, of course! I've like, I mean, I've watched it like three times in preparation yeah. for this show because it's just that damn good. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and I'm I'm sure that if I went and watched it again, I would be picking out little details I didn't see the first first time round. And I thought, and and again, it's hard to say this, isn't it? They 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 did enough to steal the show without blowing it for everyone who came afterwards. They weren't bleeding everywhere. It it, it was a really generous opener as well in that sense.
0: Very, very much so. Very, very much so. Um, and it kind of was the perfect kind of way to roll into the second match as well. So you talk about like not like blowing up everybody's spot with with their with putting on a stellar matchup. Oh boy, let's talk about Pero and Big Demo. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> I think when you talk about super heavyweights squaring off, if if I were to give you a blank piece of paper and say draw. Two super heavyweights, you'd probably sketch out big Damo and paro, even if you didn't know what they were called. That would probably be what you got. I mean, just two masses of humanity who who bought everything to it, and then having bought everything to it, thought, I bet there's some plunder under the ring. What what can we find here? What what can we bring out to really just emphasize that we are monsters and we got chains, we got tables, we got a bit of brawling outside as well. And it was just, if you like big man matches, then you're spoiled with this one because it was just, wow. I mean, like two huge dumper trucks going at each other for about, <laughs> I don't even know how long it was, but it was just collision after collision.
0: <laughs> no, like it, it, and really that's what the match kind of boiled down to a lot was just collision against uh, collision against collision in a way like you know i i love these like sort of like hoss fight moments because like you all you know know you're always going to get at some point you're going to get the 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 shoulder tackle spots you're going to get like them just and i love the fact that it just broke down into like them hitting the ropes at the same time and just crashing into one another constantly till like finally like damo goes down to one knee but then he gets up and you get that shoulder tackle and knocks perro out of the ring and then you start then you get the brawling on the outside that leads into the suplex on that on that ramp which i know had to had to not feel good at all um and also almost took out the 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 stage area the the tnt sign (laughs) like i'm sure i'm sure that the 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 guys at the back were sweating a little bit, maybe. Um. <laughs> I think
1: for me as well, what it shows is, is is anyone who's familiar with Paro's work and and to a degree what he's done on previous Effie cards is he's not always partnered up with with someone of a of a similar size and a similar stature. And mm-hmm. what it reinforced to me is, blimey, Paro is an absolute beast when it comes to pure raw physicality. The way he was able to fall away, slam Big Demo through that table, which didn't look like your usual gimmicked table. It wasn't one where you slide it out, pull up the legs. It's a bit wobbly, and I'm sure it hurts to go through. But we've seen those tables. This just looked like a sheet of wood that they just lent against the turnbuckle there in the corner, and it was almost like... I wondered at that spot if we were going to see Para try it, and actually, what was going to happen was, was that actually he was going to buckle. He couldn't quite do it. He had, and it would almost when he just threw him like <laughs> with la- just like throwing laundry into a basket, just off this <laughs> Northern Island monster. When I mean, you just forget how big and strong he really is. I mean, what a beast!
0: no you you are spot on there and i that follow away slam spot like definitely like got me up it got my blood going a bit because just how easily he was able to throw him just it was astounding me because like you're right like the history of Perro on the big gay brunch is very much like you know him murdering like people who are like half his size right i mean you had the kid him wrestling kid bandit over here you've had the twink gauntlet on the first one where he just Beat the tar out of like, you know, 10 people The the twink Tad team gauntlet that happened here before. Like he's he is normally wrestling um, people that are much smaller than him. And it's it's very much that David versus Goliath mentality going into those matches. Um, His match with Jordan Blade, another one that stands at the top of my list for big gay brunch matches. Just so good. But to see him in the ring with someone who can actually like challenge him on his size who could stand toe to toe with him in that way. Like that was a really interesting dynamic because like Pero has been the killer of the big gay brunch scene. And even though he is going up against someone like the who definitely can hold his own against Pero don't no, don't get me wrong. You still get that like murder daddy sense from Pero and it comes out so easily from him and, and you don't lose anything by Having him going up against somebody who was you know more of his size so to speak he he wasn't
1: doing that comedic standing face to face with demo big Vince McMahon style gulp oh my goodness here's someone my side now I've met my match it was almost a okay you you want to go I'll go with you as well and credit to demo for for bringing it as well because I thought he had a really good outing um I, I just thought it was it was fantastic. I mean, and, and i tell you what I loved in this as well. I loved some of the little commentary touches because, again, I'm always thinking as a broadcaster, all right, we love it, but if someone's coming new, what are they getting from it? I loved a couple of times they said, we've reinforced the ring for this one.
0: Yes. Thought,
1: okay, have you? Probably not, but who cares? <laughs> I'm going with you on that detail. That's that's great. Why wouldn't you? I mean, these two fellas are going to be north of, I, I don't know, seven... 700 pounds, maybe, sort of. Combined,
0: yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, around there.
1: Around that number, we're not going to be far off if we say that. So, of course, you're reinforcing the ring. And I liked as well that we got that chronology, that that Paro is the person at these big gay brunches who who, who has that pedigree of actually, you know what? He is a bit of a killer. He is a bit of a thorn in Effie's side. And I like the moment after the match as well, where Effie came out and he passed Paro. And I thought that that's good storytelling. Loved it. Thought it was Mm -hmm. I thought completely different to the opener. Still great in its own way.
0: I love that Effie moment at the after the match as well because it's such a small little thing, but it tells so much and it continues propelling this. I feel like it's a forever feud between these two men. Like it's been going for years. It's going to keep going for years. Like that's just Effie and Perro are always going to wrestle each other. They're always going to be. At each other's throats, they're always going to be at odds. But... Yeah, they're like LGBT flare and steamboat. You can exactly. you can just
1: th- throw them <laughs> throw them together. whenever if 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 ever Effie's looking, and I'm sure because he's an incredibly smart matchmaker. But if he's ever looking around, kind, of, I just don't know what I'm going to do. All he got, does is give Paro a call and say, "Shall we dance?" And off 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 you go to the races. And you and me and loads of other people are going to say, "Yeah, we'll watch that. We'll watch that." So it it's money, but I like sort of a bit like in the Attitude era when you had The Rock and Triple H and really when The Rock and Triple H weren't feuding, they always had that tension. You knew you could go back to it anytime. I I I think we've got this here with Effie and
0: Paro. Oh, for sure. And and to speak to your point about like the commentary, talking about like ring force the ring and and kind of creating that like aura a bit. I also love how that, that that comment was also very much like a bit of foreshadowing for what we saw in the match as well. Because like, obviously you say that at the very beginning of the match, I don't know if the commentators know what's coming towards the end with the superplex, but like you say that it sets up perfectly for whenever Demo superplexes Perro off of the top turnbuckle. Um, because like it plays directly into that idea of like, no, we had to reinforce this thing because look at what they're going to do to each other. You know, Like I think that was the first time if not the first time ever, the first time in a very, very long time that I saw Pero take a back body drop in a match. And it is it is a it is a thing to see. And also to see the man or person that can do that to Pero. Um, which Damo definitely is is one of those people.
1: <laughs> it, it's perfect casting, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're looking for a British, I don't even know if you'd say super heavyweight, super duper uber heavyweight. Then, then who'd you go to that isn't Demo? I'm not sure anyone else could have credibly pulled that off. With with all respect to to other big man wrestlers in in the UK, including some who we see in, in the Rumble coming up, I'm not sure anyone else had that badass. I I, I can stand toe to toe with this guy and feel confident in doing it. And I thought Demo just had that realism. Loved it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I was a standing match. Uh, we're two for two so far on this show um and that kind of that brings us to the rainbow rumble actually um you know this was obviously we we've had one of these like LGBTQ rumble matches over here with the Cassandra Cup um last year um which was a whole lot of fun and the minute that the, that they announced that this was going to be coming over for the Big Gay Brunch UK like one it made total sense to get as many people on the card as as possible um and but two, like i who doesn't love a rumble match right yeah. like it's just it's just one of those things that no matter like if you have that setup you're going to get some level of excitement from people
1: like yeah. it just and, and, it's
0: just built into the dna of it
1: and, and, and that's exactly it what you said it's built into the dna of it and we are conditioned as as wrestling fan, a bit like we know if there's a ladder match in the first three minutes, if someone is climbing, it doesn't matter if they're climbing, they ain't getting there. So we, we know, you you can sort of, you can try and pretend, we know they're not getting there. And everyone knows a rumble and they, they know there are going to be surprises. They know the spots you're going to get. When I was watching this, I actually sort of put my pen down and thought, I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. And what I loved the most was how much amazing LGBTQ plus talent there was that that actually okay this was i'm gonna say it was 20 spoiler alert maybe it wasn't quite 20 (laughs) but but you could have had 30 you could probably have had you know you could have gone and you don't want to allude to the saudi arabian royal rumble on a show for the lgbtq plus community but if they wanted to call this the greatest rainbow rumble ever you could probably have found 50 lgbtq plus talent from the uk and
0: europe to
1: fill that out that's extraordinary
0: no I, and it's it's a beautiful thing to to have now to have that amount of people that you can pull from and not just not just that you have that amount of people to pull from but that it feels like more and more you're having that amount of people in all different regions of pro wrestling right like it's not just like obviously like we we can do a 30 person like queer rumble over here but you can easily do that over, over in the UK and Europe. And the more people that, that can be featured is always better. Like, I get the idea of of keeping it to 20 per se for, for this time around, but hopefully this is like, maybe we can expand this thing a bit next year uh, and, and going on. And, 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 I mean, you look at it, the folks who aren't
1: there, and, and it is neither my business to speculate why all, they weren't there, Why? but I know, for example, that the Brad Slayer, huge LGBTQ plus name in the UK dealing with an injury, whether he would have been there or not is is by the by, but he could have been if if he was healthy, someone like Adam Bolt, who is setting the UK scene on fire at the moment, you know, I'm sure in other iterations of this would have had a role to play. And where I think we're ending up is almost a place where and I'm not talking about any competitors in this Rumble, to be clear, but there would have been a point where it was it was almost a case of, not are you good enough, but are you gay enough? Oh, you're an LGBTQ wrestler? Fine, come on, get on the card. Doesn't really matter what your experience level is, get on the card, we need the numbers. Now, you have to be really good to get on an FE card. You, you just do, and that's gonna light the fires under so many folks who would have seen this and gone, I wanna be number one in this Rumble. I wanna have a moment, I wanna be on this card. And that is great to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, the more that of these sort of like goals that we, that pro wrestling can provide for people within it to work towards and to have something that they can, that they can see as like a benchmark to reach, right? Like that's a very important thing to continue to have to, so be able to, I want to get better so I can be on this big gay brunch card. I want to be better so that, you know, I can, you know, I, not to like make this American-centric again, but like come over and work for some of the queer promotions that are over here, right? Or like I've had people tell me that like you doing the QWI list that, that I do, like that's something that has provided a similar thing for a lot of people. Like they want to make that list, and so like the more that we continue to see like the evolution and the and the normalization and the acceptance of the queer pro wrestling world within the the non-queer pro wrestling world, I feel like more and more. The people that are within it have more of these like goals to reach and that's only that that can't be unhealthy you know like it's it's got to be something that that is good for people to have a goal
1: to work towards and i want to before we get too much further down the tracks i want to say to you brian that qwi list is sensational it, 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 I know it must be a labor of love for you to do. I, I can't imagine it is easy to put together. But you, my friend, are as much a trailblazer as Effie in, in this environment. I will spare you your blushes, but you, you really are. For so many folks, the the spotlight you shine on them, um, you do extraordinary work. So I want to say that. I, I also think what's interesting is there would have probably been a point where an LGBTQ plus wrestler may have shied away from something like this because they didn't want to be pigeonholed mm. you know i i want to make it to wwe so i'm not going to do that i want to make it to impact or aw or whatever so i'm not going to do that i think we now live in a world where an lgbtq plus wrestler can go all right i want to i want to get my shot in one of the quote big promotions but i also want to i also want to be on effie's card like there is that parity where where a show like this is not only representation and it's not only a great thing to see and it's not only a great night with great wrestling. It means something. If you can say, I've headlined an Effie's big gay brunch, that's kudos. That that has standing in the industry. And that's really cool.
0: No, it's it's definitely true. Um, and I think you can point to like this last. WrestleMania weekend with the Big Gay Brunch in LA, Fred Rosser being on that card, you know, yeah. like someone who you know, has worked with WWE and has not necessarily like put you know, he's put his identity forward in like his charity work and that sort of thing, but in the pro wrestling world, he's never really been like you know, the quote unquote gay pro wrestler or anything like that, but he, he felt like comfortable enough in expressing that to be on the Big Gay Brunch card with a person like, like Karam, like who was just making his sort of introduction to being part of the community as well. You know, like that, that sort of thing is just amazing to see. Not to mention all the times we've seen people like, you know, people who are contracted to these larger companies as well, like Jay Vidal that, that are been on these shows and not to mention what some of these larger companies are now doing in terms of their like outreach towards the community. You know, like we've seen Impact do a lot of work, uh engaging with the community, like the first like major televised company to host a pride night. You know, we've seen um you know people like Alex Kane winning the MLW heavy world heavyweight championship and like elevating LGBTQ voices in that way. AEW and WWE to their own extent have also done that as well. Um you know we'll we'll save the diatribes about some of that stuff for, for another time but <laughs> but it has been there. And like the greater pro wrestling world is embracing that as well, and it's showing that you don't have to shy away from these sort of events to continue to advance in your career and to reach those like major goals that you want to meet reach.
1: And maybe this is because I'm getting a bit of gray in my hair and a bit of gray in my beard, but I can see how if I was a Fred Rosser who who, who had to blaze a trail himself, he might be looking – having come into wrestling one way and blaze that trail, he might be hearing an awful lot of commotion about Effie on, on one side and going, I'm hearing about this Effie person. And then looking and seeing it and thinking, that's fun. I, w- I want to go there. I want to do that because I never had the chance when I was breaking in, not to give back, not to, to be a role model, although I'm sure in coming to these shows, he's doing both those things, but actually because he wants to celebrate queer joy and wrestle and be around those folks. I mean, I know from in the uk doing waw's pride shows you go there because you're a wrestling fan but then you do feel extra comfortable extra proud in in your identity however you identify just by virtue of being around all these other folks because we've all i suspect if you're listening to this have been on our own journeys where you've not felt like you can be yourself and particularly in wrestling and I don't care if you if you're 18 or 80. If you love wrestling and you have been LGBTQ and you can be around other folks who are, it just makes you. It's the best feeling in the world. Wrestling is great. That's that cherry on top of the Sunday. For sure.
0: I mean, any any time that you have the opportunity to realize there is a community that you that is around you, because like, you know, being like closeted or like kind of struggling with seeing how you define yourself um can be very very isolating and you know it, obviously like that struggle can still persist for a lot of people and like their are personalized but having a community that you can go to that you can see the vibrance of it and you can see yourself in See yourself belonging in that, like that's that's the true beauty of it, and and you're right. Like I feel like Fred being on that show in L.A., like there was a like you could see it in his face. Like I'm amongst my group, and it's been a really interesting. Not to like go on a Fred roster tangent here, but it's been a very very interesting uh, route that he's taken in the last couple of years. Like going to New Japan and winning the the strong open weight title there, and you know, showcasing a completely different wrestling side of him. And then you know, feeling comfortable, feeling comfortable, and and a desire to go and wrestle on like a big gay brunch card like this, like he's it's you're right in a way. I feel like he he's like taking all of these different roads that he wasn't able to take because he got so quickly into the WWE system after starting out in the Northeast US over here. So like yeah, like it's and, it's a really awesome thing to see. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off there. It, no, no,
1: and it takes guts as well. That's the thing in a different way. Fred sort of had, a, had, I guess you could draw parallels with that Matt Cardona experience, couldn't you? you? You go in there, and who would have thought Darren Young from the primetime players, with, with all due respect, loads of people love the primetime players, but you wouldn't have looked at Darren Young there and gone, hmm, I can see a New Japan star, I can smell someone who's going to fit into that culture. You just <laughs> yeah. wouldn't. So fair play to him for, for getting himself into unreal shape, for modifying his persona, for taking a chance on himself on the independent scene, going to Japan, still being authentic to himself, and you still look and you think, this, this is someone who's still got so much left to give, and he's doing it authentically. You, you just love to see it.
0: All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, First off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh Patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on monthly, uh, round roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash lgbtringpod. Every single dollar that is uh, pledged there to support the show is very, very humbling, and we thank you. We also have a, a merch store over on Brainbuster Tees. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we got t-shirts, tank tops, all kinds of good stuff, and you know, always looking at some new things as well. But uh, definitely check us out on Brainbuster Tees there as well. You can follow the show on social media as well. We're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT Ring Pod. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, (laughs) co-host, Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, So follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV. For the best and current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT RingPod or visit uh, the URL tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So, your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show. Uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my progressing writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Kite and Lady LadyMeroine um just run through the the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb it's it's great but uh, you can check that out every monday 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over at twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment sun like the star with that said let's get back to the show and i feel like that's a perfect segue into the start of the rainbow rumble because talking about people who have been in the game for a while and still have so much to give priscilla queen of the ring number 1 entry into this match i absolutely adore priscilla um i wish i have i have not seen as much like as many matches of priscilla's as i would want to but i think that's just because like i always want more every time that i see her um but I Priscilla is the perfect person to open this match against the perfect number two in Shea Purser who's I will never ever like not just get completely up for uh the uh the my sacrifice entrance with Shea Purser Like it's just it's just a a vibe you feel no matter if you're there in person or at home like it's just like it brings something out of you like i almost teared up <laughs> uh,
1: i i think but for i'll come to priscilla in a bit because i i had that written down for shay as well shay might be the shrewdest person in professional wrestling because what i suspect shay has done is said what is the one thing that wrestling fans love more that will just get them not not in the brain but in that reptilian core at the back of your head that just triggers an emotion I suspect it's either the Rockstone Cold Steve Austin My Way video, or it's the WWE Creed My Sacrifice video. And I can still see in my head those promos, 2001, the Creed album flashing up. I I can see The Undertaker coming down the road, and I hear that music, and I see it, and shay has gone, I'm just going to nick that, and I'm just going to get all that emotion. I'm going to have it myself, and I'm going to just bring it over to me. And credit to Shay. Because it works every time, and from the moment his version of it played, I'm I'm right back there in the attitude era, and just love it. Just uh, when we're done, what's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to get on YouTube, and I'm gonna I'm going to listen to that song, I'm going to watch that promo, and I'm going to think of Shea Persa.
0: Well done, that man. <laughs> very, very much so. I'm curious to to hear your your thoughts on Priscilla. Since you kind of led with that a bit.
1: Yeah, Priscilla is someone who I've been fortunate enough to have on my podcast um, and and have commentated on a couple of Priscilla's matches. Priscilla is the ultimate character, right? Um, Because if you look at Priscilla, and wrestling isn't about the amount of bumps you take, it's about what you do with them. Priscilla probably bumps in a match six, seven times, maybe, max. It's all character work. But the fans buy into it right from the start. And actually, Priscilla is a workhorse of the British scene. I mean, I I commentate on Priscilla's match at the most recent WAW Pride show, which was a Four Corners um, PCW title match. And just the character work and the psychology was just fantastic. I, I have a huge amount of respect for Priscilla because what's the thing we don't talk about? That actually it's a drag character. How brave to go out when Priscilla started as a drag character. And now that's not what we remark on. We remark on the comedy chops, the the getting the absolute most mileage you can out of the least amount of moves. um, And just over, consistently over with a gimmick which would be very easy for fans to sort of turn on, particularly when we're also conscious of work rate and flash and all of that. Just that is not easy to do. Priscilla's a rare talent.
0: I I completely agree with you. It speaks to the evolution I think of a lot of like fans outlook on what pro wrestling can be in a way, right? Because like I feel like you know, growing up like in watching wrestling in like the 90s and the 2000s, like there was so much focus on work rate. It was work rate, work rate, work rate. And that still is a focus for a lot of people, and I'm not going to say sit here and say that I don't enjoy just a pure work rate match from time to time, right? But I feel like as we've seen pro wrestling grow over the last like decade or so, we're starting to understand more so what a pro wrestling match can be. And it's not just about work rate and it's not just about like telling a story, quote unquote, in terms of like, you know, how people kind of quantify that with with WWE and that sort of thing. Um, but it's just about finding something unique within yourself that speaks to an audience member in a way, right? And I feel like Priscilla is that to a T um you know looking at this match specifically everything from like the wig snatch to you broke my nail and (laughs) setting up for the slap which always gets me um and then even just her nickname like the man who masculinity forgot oh my god just it's just so good it's just everything is so good it it, it is and it's
1: it's honing that isn't it? it it's just okay how how can i take this thing that, that i have modeled and make it just a little bit more and a little bit more and not rest on my laurels how can i do that and priscilla just has it and and it, also it's not exclusive because actually i'm someone who, who i've never seen an episode of drag race in my life no reason just it doesn't it, it's not something i've watched it doesn't take a lot of my boxes i'm sure if i sat down and watched it i'd enjoy it but i'm not i'm not educated about drag culture i don't know very much about it you could easily imagine how that character would not appeal to someone like me it just wouldn't be my cup of tea i love it i think it's great and i think there are so many people who, who've who never seen a priscilla match but are so entertained by the authenticity of what priscilla brings to the ring you can't help but smile you, you just can and if wrestling is about tapping into that I know it's daft. I know it's stupid. I can't believe that someone's broken a nail yet again. When will they learn? But I'm going with it. Priscilla does that. Priscilla just has that gift of of, of picking you up and saying, did you ever watch Mamma Mia, the musical? Is, is yeah. that, have you ever seen that? Right? I've seen that, yeah. Everything, everything about that film is stupid. Everything yeah. is ridiculous. But it picks you up at the start and says, we know it's stupid. You know it's stupid. Come with us for the ride and you'll enjoy it. Priscilla... I hope if she hears this, she will understand I say it in the most respectful way. Priscilla is a mama mia of wrestling. Everything about it on paper, you should go, what? No, stupid. But she picks you up, she takes you with her, and you get to the end and you go, Well, blow me if I didn't enjoy that as much as anything I've seen. I want to watch it
0: again. <laughs> I'm I'm I feel like she would understand. <laughs> yeah. Priscilla, it's For a compliment. If you
1: if you hear that, you you know I mean it in the best way.
0: Exactly, and I will second that as well. I feel like talking about this match is going to kind of give us moments to kind of talk about a bit in the similar way about a number of the people that are here in this match because, like number three in, we have Tyler Adams, who you know is someone who is like just kind of getting started in that scene there, and, and then has been someone that I've really enjoyed watching, and I'm glad that he showed up here as well and got a little bit of a of a shine spot coming in there as well.
1: Yeah, I I think that just just because as I said, I just sat back and just and just watched it. But what I what I thought was a really interesting mix of of young talent and then veterans coming back as as well. People who the the commentators. I know Effie was out there at the desk as well. Did a really good job of educating you. If you didn't know some of these people, you knew they were big by by the reaction. You know, Dark Sheikh. Okay, uh, wasn't someone I was necessarily that aware of. If that's on me, I apologize. But I knew. They were a big deal because the commentators made me believe that. Sassy Bear Clarence, love watching Sassy Bear. When they came in, you feel like that's another. It was like it's brilliant. Like all rumbles are, this brilliant sort of broth, this soup. And it was just, a, here's a different ingredient. Here's something else. Here's something else. I, I just thought it was a really well done rumble. And while I've never wrestled an inch in my life, I know they're not easy to do.
0: Yes, yes. I, you know, what, I think a better tactic instead of just going down the line of as people come in, like we should just talk about who who stood out to us in a way and, and moment. I feel like because like you can get lost in a rumble match very easily. I feel like. Um, so I know for me, two people that really stood out were Helen Campbell and Camille Hansen. Um, mm. Obviously, like as the emergence of LGBTQ identities in pro wrestling has grown. That means there are more trans identities, trans people that are entering this this world as well. And I love Hel- uh, Helen's and uh, Helen and Camille's characters in that because, like, they are coming in as just trans brute forces. They are just here to take your head off <laughs> in any way that they can. And uh, like, I love that Helen got got the spot that she did. You know, taking out uh, multiple people. Um, and then Camille, one first off, shout out Blue Power Ranger gear that looked great. Yes, yes. Um, and two, I love that Camille got to spend so much time kind of mixing up with Dark Sheik because, like, like you mentioned, like Dark Sheik might not have been necessarily on your radar, but like in the States for sure, in North America, like she is before you even factor in the LGBTQ aspect of, of Dark Sheik, Dark Sheik is already kind of an independent wrestling icon in a way for what she's built with hood slam out in, in California, in the Bay area there, as well as, you know, her recent years being featured more heavily on GCW shows over here as well. And then, you know, whenever she came out as, as trans back in, um, in 2018, you know, that kind of like skyrocketed her to, to prominence within our community as well in, in a way. And she's really become like the trans icon For like North American independent pro wrestling in a lot of ways. So seeing her, a 20-year vet, mixing it up with Camille for so long, two trans women, you know, at various different stages of their career and their profile in, in this wrestling world, having a chance to work together in that way, like it warmed my heart. And it made me very, very proud for Camille. To be able to have those those moments with Sheik. And it made me look forward to a one-on-one match between them at some point.
1: And I think that's really important because firstly, it's done what these shows should do, which is it's that cross-pollination. There'll be folks like myself who've been educated. Um, and I use that with a with a with a lowercase E. They're not bashing me over the head, saying, Oh my, you, you they're letting me know that this is someone who's a really big deal. And I suppose the other thing, Brian, is is you wonder you just wonder what the locker room was like. You wonder what conversations were had because you just know the, the, the veteran experience and then someone who is relatively new in their career. And, and you can see this in a number of points in this rumble, those conversations put in this rumble together, but also after the show, I don't know if they went out for a drink. I don't know what's going on, but the conversations would be, would have been things that you or I could never have imagined at the start of our wrestling fandom. And And I liked, and I think this is true of all this show, Beyond the fact they were LGBTQ plus, or particularly in the case you're talking about from the trans community, they're just ass kickers. That's that's more than anything. If you've just come Very to much. watch it, they're taking names. They are just there to win this Rainbow Rumble. Really important, powerful stuff.
0: Yes. And I feel and that's another aspect of this match that really spoke to me is that like everyone got a moment to show that they are that person, right? You know, everything from like Lucia Lee coming in and immediately hitting that thats common—that spin kick and then the running boot, Yakuza kick combination in the ring there. Um, oh, God, I have like the list of people in front of me right here. Ellie Armstrong. Ellie Armstrong is someone who I was not familiar with before this match. And like her and Lucy Sky are two people that I need to see more from at this yeah. point now. Because like they they both impressed me a lot, and then there were people that I didn't know were from the community per se that were in this match as well. And like like as Effie pointed out on commentary, like using this match as a way to show that they are publicly for like one of the first few times. To someone, like someone like DCT, um, who I didn't I didn't know was part of the community. Yeah. Like Tony Wright didn't know, <laughs> but, but he was there. Uh, Your like,
1: QWI list is gonna be a little bit busier this year, isn't it? Man? Oh my god. It,
0: every year it is busier. <laughs> every <laughs> year. But I welcome it. Bring it on. Punish me. Um but and then of course Prince Pele um doing mm-hmm. only what Prince Pele can do in terms of just the character. Like it's just such a uh it's such a funny little thing <laughs> that, that,
1: he, that he does. But also, it's really easy to get lost in rumbles. How 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 often have we heard people talk about rumbles or gauntlet matches or battle royales where you just you disappear, and that's not always intentional. It's just there is such a mass of humanity that you just are forgettable, and particularly with, with some, as you say, where in this you're appealing to to two different. I guess, three different audiences. You sort of got the UK audience, the stateside audience, and then maybe folks who aren't LGBTQ+. So you're trying to tick off three different boxes. And I think everyone came out of this match better than they went in, which is not easy to do. Everyone, as you say, got their moment. Loved seeing Benjamin Harland Um, in, in it. I mean, someone who is doing fantastic work on the tag team scene, as we know, but getting a singles moment. Um, I I just as well Sassy Bear Clarence I've just got so much time for probably because I've had a couple of encounters on a personal basis and you just think I I cannot match what I see in the ring uh, with 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 the person I see outside the ring and then Harley Hudson of course just you know I I think that is a name if and when NXT Europe relaunches. I would not be surprised if we saw a Harley Hudson spring up there, if that were to be what they wanted to do, because I I look and I just see star all over her.
0: I am completely in, in agreement with you on Harley Hudson. Like Harley Hudson is a extremely unique talent, both for, you know what she can do, but also like the character that she's built up with this, like this Hudzilla character is just so good. And, and, just her ability to emote and like seem like she's not taking stuff seriously, but at the same time she is right. I look at the post-match of this match with her after she eliminated Pero because spoiler alert, there's a 21st entrant. and it's Pero. Pero decides to jump into this thing on his own. Um, but Hudson eliminates him last and wins this match. And then you see like her with these like, these like shocked facials, but at the same time, she's sort of like, prodding the bear a bit like you want to shake my hand no okay um like she's trying to pose but only posing when perro's looking away from her like she has these like minute details down so much and you know that stuff that takes a while for people to learn but her being so young and already having that connection made is like something that it, it speaks to her like wrestling a bit beyond her years in a way yeah, and and also it's very different to
1: do that on a non televised show versus mm. doing it on a televised or streamed or recorded show where you're thinking, all right, where where are my cameras? Where am I? Are they are they picking this up? And and I know that and actually at this point probably worth saying credit to the TNT team because I thought it was beautifully done i thought the production values as always but it's worth saying incredibly high audio on point i thought it was great but for her to be thinking where's my camera are they going to get this are they not going to get this just thought she was remarkable i um i knew obviously that the paro had, had had decided to make his presence known as only paro can because i was researching uh, harley hudson for the the waw show i did um fair play to paro as well because, you know, Paro, having gone in there with Big Damo, comes out and, and you know, gives back to, to Harley Hudson because it makes Harley Hudson. She can hang her hat on that now. She can say, I won the Rainbow Rumble. That, that is, as we were talking about earlier, that carries credo with it. And particularly if you say, and I eliminated Paro to do it, she can run a long way with that alone.
0: Yeah, and it's already paying dividends in TNT Extreme, right? You know, she's yeah. the current, she's currently like one half of the women's tag team champions over there, um, if I'm not mistaken. Please correct oh. me if I'm wrong, but um, but yeah, like it's already paying dividends in that company as well, and she's popping up in more places now. Like it's it's really awesome to see. What I love about that as
1: well is, is that is um an example of where, you know, Gay Brunch could stand alone. Great show. Everyone goes happy. But actually, we're seeing companies like TNT say, we're going to take some of your universe and we're going to bring it into our universe. And and therefore, everyone gets lifted up. We, we saw this to go off on a bit of a tangent. Um, WAW in Norwich crowned its first Pride champion. That was, um, if you don't know him, you should check him out. Incredible young wrestler called Adam Bolt, part of a tag team sort of stable uh, with Jackie T, Big Man Inc. And Adam became the first Pride champion for WAW. Now, now that's something that can travel, and that's something where at future WAW events that aren't Pride-themed, that aren't for the community, you're still going to have that representative with that belt. And, and your Harley Hudson, you know, in, in choosing to challenge, as you say correctly, for those tag team titles, is saying, yeah, I won this on an LGBTQ plus show, but I'm bringing it all the way over here, and this is going to impact on, on our world. That is that mainstream attention that the Effie can bring it, it's just—I I sound so old, don't I? But you think five, ten years ago, <laughs> you'd never have had that crossover. It just—wrestling is doing really exciting things at the moment. And the LGBTQ plus community is right at the center of it.
0: No, you're you're spot on there. You're spot on, and it, it, it speaks to it speaks to the greater adoption of our community into the, the the pro wrestling world. And I think that you know, I think we're all here for that. We're all here to see people grow and get larger spots and larger spotlights on them as well. Um, I guess before we move on from the rumble, I do want to highlight a a few people that we haven't mentioned yet, because I feel like everybody deserves a shout out from this match. Personally, Aiden Steen, best vampire character I've seen in a while, for sure. Um, Also, I love that it prompted Effie to talk about his, his (laughs) asking Gangrel about turning him into a vampire. Um, because knowing Effie that, yeah, that's a true story, uh, for sure. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, uh, Drew Mercury, someone who I have been seeking out to try and see more of because, you know, I've heard a lot about Drew, um, you know, a pretty, uh, agile high flyer, um, that didn't really get to show too much of that because battle royals are just not a good place to showcase a lot of that stuff. But I've heard a lot of amazing things about Drew and I highly suggest anybody that is interested check look up some of his his work as well um and then there was of course billy hayes came back for this one as well we've we've sung the praises of billy hayes already Chantel jordan strikes me as someone who'd be very interesting to to look into as well and then of course our number 20 entry for for the match uh commander sterling whose reputation precedes themselves
1: (laughs) But it's a classic booking of a rumble, isn't it? I mean, you you go through that, and actually, if you were to take this Pat Patterson creation, and by the way, how nice that the man who created the rumble was from the community. And now, so I, I, whether that was intentional or not, shout out to Pat Patterson. But Pat had that formula down let's get some young talent, let's get some veterans back, let's do the surprises, let's mix it all together. You cannot fail. It, It is. I don't want to say a rumble is foolproof because as we've alluded to, you can get lost in it. It can be, you can have some that are better than others, but, but everyone in this did, it did a great job. And of course, Effie had a great time on commentary of course, but didn't you just know it at the desk that he was just, and I thought, as we'll talk about later, knowing the main event was coming up to, to be out there and just so free and loose loved it.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's the only way that Effie can be in, in those moments. Although I know running these big gay brunches, like behind the scenes, very much a stressful experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, you would think, all right, so Effie's getting there, and he's going, what have I got to do? i like, okay, I've got to do the main event. I've got to make all the wrestlers happy. I've got to book it. Someone's going to be sick. Someone's going to be poorly. Someone's going to be late. Someone's going to forgot their gear. It's wrestling. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to go out, and I'm going to call the rumble as well. Because Effie's commentary helped get over a lot of these people as well. So, yeah, I'm sure... Having a whale of a time, being loose and free as only FE can be, but also building up each of these competitors. Um,
0: job well done. Completely agree there. Um, so let's let's jump back to our Euro conversation, Eurovision conversation, just a tad bit because we have our TNT Women's uh, Tag Team Title Match coming up: the She Wolves, Molly Spartan, and Angel Hayes, defending against. The Lana Austin experience, Lana Austin and Sky Smithson. Um, I I just want to ask you a bit about Lana Austin and Sky Smithson and this Lana Austin experience, because obviously this permeates the entire sort of like TNT and progress like that whole, like, you know, ecosystem of promotions in a way, you know, with her being the progress women's champion right now, like What's been your take on on the Lana Austin experience so far with with these companies?
1: I mean, can you just say over? Is is that enough? It's very it, over. It's it, it's over. That's that's the thing. It is it is over. It is entertaining. It is it is something people want to see. Clearly, having a ball doing it, and actually, I think really savvy because you know, for someone like me. I consume a lot of wrestling, but I'm not always able to sit down and watch a whole card or a whole match. So often I'm seeing things clipped up on social media. Often I'm seeing the things that are getting a buzz. The Lana Austin experience is buzzworthy. It is noteworthy. And if you see it come up in your feed, if you see it shared by um, ZZ or someone here in the UK, or you see it shared um, by any of the UK professionals, you, you stop and you watch it and And you can't say fairer than that. Now, what I'll I'll let you take the lead on this match because the one thing I will say that played against it, I thought personally, was it had really difficult positioning. Not its fault, but the rumble, like we had banger after banger and then a rumble and then at some point any audience is going to have to go, oh, I just just need a breath. And I, I felt for me, with no disrespect to any of the people involved in the match, That was the one where I just felt, I just, I just need a breath. And I suspect had there been a different match order, I may have got more out of it than, than I did. And that I think was, was no disrespect to the hard work, the effort. It was just at some point you need to come up for air.
0: No, I, I can understand that point for sure. And I feel like that they sort of like, I think some of the idea of like the booking of the match kind of recognize that in a way so to speak you know starting off so heavily with like promo and entertainment and stuff you know lana talking about how eurovision rejected her but she was still gonna sing and give us a little bit of lana oki in the ring and then that
1: delusion right that that (laughs) that, because because you i i i love this like Because they are all entertain, they're all athletes, they're all entertainers. She must have thought all her Christmases came at once when they said, "You know, Eurovision's going on in Liverpool," and she must have gone, "Right, let's have it then. Let's see what we can do with this." (laughs) Because you know, she'll have been thinking about that, driving up and down the streets, wondering what she's going to do, wondering how she's going to get it together. Just that must have been a joy for her.
0: No, I could, I could definitely see it, and I think you can also like tell just from the, how she was performing this in in the ring as well you know and and that's also for me personally like i feel like sky smithson was having the most fun of anybody out there you know during like the entrances during the these these moments in the ring prior to the match um during the match as well and even in like the post match promo too like um sky it's it's so interesting to see like the the evolution of character in Sky Spitson from like when I was first introduced to her back in like pro wrestling Eve when she was like tag teaming with Rebel Kenny to what she what she's doing now and like so much more like fun loving in a way versus just like the stone face like I'm gonna kick your head off type of person which is still there mm-hmm. in her but it's very much still like you you wouldn't see that era Sky Spitson like doing like pelvic thrusts towards, like, towards Lana Austin. <laughs>
1: like, no, but, but isn't right. it interesting as well, and this is maybe a slightly different conversation, but there would have been a time where you and I would never have been aware of that evolution because there there was so little in the way of streaming and televised events and, mm-hmm. and social media. So so your person could go out before a live crowd and go, sure, I let loose in, in front of this crowd in, in, you know, London or Cardiff or, or, or San Antonio or, or wherever. And actually, it worked really well. I'm going to try that at the next show and know if I fall flat on my backside, no one will ever know. Maybe someone's got a camcorder. Maybe it's like the curtain call and you get unlucky. But basically, I can get away with it. Now, you and me and, and the wrestling fans as a whole are following these careers from almost day dot as they evolve. I mean, for the WAW Pride show, I, I called... um with Riley, the MBF, the non-binary finery mm-hmm. and, and Riley, someone who, who occupied a completely different space at this year's pride show where they were very much, um, you know, I'm uh, um, the class, a violence bringer. I love I, versus last year's pride show where they were in a tag team with Sassy Bear Clarence called Sass central. You've got to give people that space to experiment and be themselves, even if it's in front of the camera, because otherwise you won't get the evolution that you're so rightly talking about
0: exactly and and i think that speaks to more so to the evolution of her wrestling as well where like you you feel a comfort in being able to try new things i think more and more people are feeling empowered to to do that in in a way and not just necessarily to like just try something different but to really commit to something different mm. too yeah and that's, and that's really cool to see um of course we have that the moment with, with those two there, then Molly and Angel come out and Molly, you know, and, and only the way that Molly Spartan can do, like, like celebrating Lana, just shutting up and choosing to sing happy birthday to Angel, uh, for, for her birthday. Uh, and of course that leads us into the match proper. Um, because, uh, the Lana Austin experience, the jumps, uh, Molly and, and and Angel before the song could be finished. Because the they're
1: still bad, even though yeah. we enjoy the singing. I mean that. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about this sort of act. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We, we you're entertaining us by how bad you are at singing, but you know, let's not forget, we're still the heels. We're still. We're not going to let you just enjoy us to the point that we we turn. We're gonna. We're gonna. And and can I just say, I mentioned the production earlier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just love the way ever all of this was shot crowd in tight it felt it i know it's hangar you know the hanger that tnt do it in but it just had that that feel of like the coolest place like didn't you just want to be there on the front row
0: oh yeah for sure like it like i i love like the how intimate that environment was um like you just feel like you're everything's on top of the ring almost right mm-hmm. and i and i also i am a sucker for any building that has a balcony where like the ring can fit right in the middle of it and people can look down over it too. Like those are my favorite buildings to go to indie shows too. And there are not enough of them on the West Coast in where I live. So um, so like that always just speaks to me. It's like I, a coliseum,
1: isn't it? You've just got yeah. those crowds up, like it, it's like that pit atmosphere. I I I am
0: entirely with you. Yeah. Um, no, it was just just electric, just electric overall. And the camera worry, like even like, a shot that I speaking. Speaking of the production, the shot that I always jump to when thinking about this show is that shot of Pero after the the demo match, where you have the cameraman on the floor, Pero's on the ramp, and it's like a Dutch angle shot of him with the lights just kind of going going around. I it's just, oh, it's it's beautiful. Like I, I come from a film background a bit, and every time I see something like that, I'm just like, oh, it just showers over me, and I just love it well and and you just know for, for all we're
1: talking about you know lana austin experience the, the, the this match you just know behind the scenes there are so many people working so hard the the, the folks with the cameras out there the lighting the sound just it, it all comes together because you and i can like the matches as much as we do if we can't see them if we can't hear them if if, if it's lit poorly and as we were talking about earlier how fans have uh, how wrestlers have to have a space to fail and experiment these companies don't have that leeway anymore you've got to be on with your production because if you're not people won't give you a second look and i just thought i thought it's a, a really good match I, I think you probably got more out of it than i did just just because of of maybe i haven't got the stamina you've got brian i don't know it might that <laughs> might be it but but i would certainly love to see both these teams go again it and almost to to just have that as my opening match and i'm sure i would love it even more
0: I agree. I feel like this match it, it did it did not necessarily suffered. I don't want to use that word, but like no, like there was more of a focus on like the continuing story of Sky and Lana, right? Because like I feel like the the obvious like path we're going down is Sky sometime like realizing that like being paired up with Lana isn't the best, and and we're we're heading towards a Lana versus Sky at some point in progress. Um, and this match was kind of in service of that more so than than anything else although both molly and angel looked great uh, in the match but like that was just kind of the more pertinent story so to speak and that's
1: great isn't it sometimes it just is as simple as that to say look you're not going to get the whole cake today we're going to give you a little slice or we're going to give you just a little tease and this is going to pay off down the line enjoy it for what it is and then when it all comes together as you're absolutely right it will we can then look at all the crumbs that have led us there and go ah okay It's so much richer for that experience.
0: Mm -hmm, Exactly. So she wolves win, retain the championships. I do enjoy Sky in the post match promo, basically saying like, "That's not. That wasn't a loss. That was just a warm up, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like like the just the jumping through hoops to make things (laughs) right in their mind. Like
1: we can justify anything away. It's fine. If 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 we say it, it shall be. And we all know people (laughs) like that in our
0: lives. Very much so, very much so. <laughs> well, that leaves with one match left, the main event but before we get there, we did get a little bit of a moment with uh Kendo Nagasaki being introduced um to the ring and I wish we have gotten more of a moment on the actual like show um because but at the same time like Kendo Nagasaki and you can speak more so to this like having probably you know seen more of him. Um basically because of his like relationship with world of sport. Um actually, you know what? I'm not even gonna go into a diatribe. Jack, I want to know like what, what is what is the significance of Kendo Nagasaki? Um Ken, yeah, Ken, Ken,
1: so so here in the UK, we we have sort of three main four now, but at a certain point, three main television channels. There was a the BBC, you had two of those, and you had something called ITV. And on ITV, there was a show called World of Sport and it's hard to describe how mainstream world of sport was the best way i can put it is is my great grandmother would sit and watch world of sport because it was it was gritty british wrestling and people could just name the folks who were in it they were they were although they weren't your Hulk Hogan's and your Andre the Giants in terms of selling out huge stadiums, they, they were more than wrestlers. They were, they were personalities that people in the UK would know. And Kendo Nagasaki was one of those personalities. You could say to someone on the street and, and uh, Kendo Nagasaki and someone would know who they were. They, they just would, they were, they were open for satire and that was way before I was born. But even for me now, as a British wrestling fan, if someone says Kendo Nagasaki, you know who they are. And if you say to a non-wrestling fan, heard of Kendo Nagasaki, they will probably go, ah, oh, the wrestler, right? That's a level of cultural cachet that Kendo Nagasaki has in the UK. I don't think many folks necessarily were aware that Kendo Nagasaki was from, from the LGBTQ plus community or certainly the, the individual portraying uh, Kendo Nagasaki. That's huge. That that is absolutely huge. And for kenda nakasaki to appear at at this show, if like you, I I had a criticism, I would have liked a bit more of that. Now I don't know why that couldn't be. I'm sure there's very good reasons. Perhaps it was just what what, what they felt able to do. Perhaps things were overrunning. Perhaps there was more live that we didn't. I I don't know. Um, but just to me, that is a genuine British wrestling legend. Who is not only saying I'm LGBTQ plus, but I'm coming to this show to to give my give my aura to it, to give my credibility, my credence to it. it. It was it was remarkable in a way. Absolutely remarkable.
0: Yeah, I think for anybody coming to this show that wasn't aware of the significance of Kendo Nagasaki, I think just looking at Mark Adams's reaction to announcing Kendo Nagasaki for for the first time in that way, I think like seeing how how visibly emotional he was after saying that the the line those lines that he did and just sitting in the corner like his hand his his face in his hands just like just this bewildering, um, like joyful like teary moment that Mark had like I think if you just see that you don't need to know anything else. About Kendo Nagasaki to know how big of a deal it is that he is here on this show or that he is part of our community and is being celebrated for that. Because, like, I especially think- in the era that, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, no, no, I, I was, perhaps you were coming on to this, but, but I, I was just thinking about when Kendo was wrestling. And actually, yep, we were spot on the same thing. <laughs> We're vibing on this one because because without making it a history lesson, as, as you were about to say, before I so rudely cut across you in, in the UK, when kendo was at, at at their peak, there was no equal age of consent. There was no same sex marriage was pie in the sky. Um, we'd only just got to the point. In fact, I'm, I suspect I'd be accurate in saying when kendo was training, homosexuality was still criminalized in in the UK. Um, and 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 what I hope. And I'm sure they did. But what I hope is any of those young competitors backstage, if they had the chance to interact with Kendo Nagasaki, not only understood what Kendo Nagasaki meant as an individual, as a wrestler, as a cultural icon, as someone who was part of the fabric of 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 British culture for such a long time, but that Kendo Nagasaki had to do that all as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. The only analogy i guess i can draw is pat patterson um if you think how famous pat was in on the west coast in californian circles that's what kenda nagasaki was in the uk but if i being honest even respectfully to pat he was bigger than that just for a smaller place smaller media market to do that all as an lgbtq plus person at that time just you're right mark adams face said it all But if you do nothing else after hearing this, go away and just look up Kendo Nagasaki. Um, You won't regret it. What a remarkable
0: person. Mm, Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, Well, let's, let's hop into this main event match because from a very emotional moment with Kendo, we get probably the most chaotic match on the card. And that's saying something considering what we've already talked about. We have a six-person tag. It is the team of Bussy, Effie and Ally Catch, and Session Moth Martina taking on Shea Monet, Charles Crowley, and Alexis Falcon. My God. <laughs> <laughs> I-,
1: I felt dirty, Ryan, after watching this. I felt I felt the best kind of filthy. It was carnal. It was carnage. It was chaos. It was catastrophic at points. I don't know if you ever had this, but there were points when I would watch wrestling uh, when I was a young and growing up where I did not want my parents to walk into the room. I am a 35 year old man who lives on his own. Now I'm not sure I'd have felt comfortable with anyone walking into the room while this was on, but I loved every filthy minute of it. It
0: was fantastic. (laughs) Oh my god. Filthy is the perfect description for what this match gave you from the very beginning, from the minute that Charles Crowley and Alexis Falcon came out of the tunnel to <laughs> to the end of this match. <laughs> like just I've I've seen Crowley in in a, in a few different spots at this point. I've seen Falcon in a few different spots at this point. I've seen what Crowley can do Create creative wise with pro wrestling like I think I go back to like the um the that sort of like cinematic style match that he ended up doing with a lot of people back around you know pandemic times right and just how interesting and unique that was even though like you know with everybody getting murdered and whatnot you know like we see Crowley's outside of the box thinking at times here and then I love when that translates into just purely like we're going to be on the queer show. Let's be as, as cishet sexual as we can in front of these people for heat. (laughs) But, but like, just, just think
1: of what you've said there, because how many times in wrestling over the years has someone said, and I'll paraphrase here, we'll be as gay as we can the heat that was the trope of wrestling and now we're in 2023 and we're going how can we get this crowd to hate us let's be really heterosexual let's be as straight as we can and you go victory we've won it's there are no (laughs) nothing left to conquer now the straights are getting heel heat for being straight (laughs) Do, do you think he has a line i i mean just and i don't mean that in a bad way but charles crowley must have the most fun. But do you think there's ever a point where he's driving around, coming up with spots, thinking, what can I do? Or oh, even for me, that's a bit far. Because I don't know if he does.
0: I don't know if he does either. I'd be curious to see whenever he hits it, if he ever does and acknowledges it. Because that will it will have to be something supremely depraved. I mean, especially considering like the promo that he cut before this match. Where, like, it, beautiful subterfuge talking about how special this night is and how all these people are able to like, you know, showcase themselves, that sort of thing. And I acknowledge that I'm taking up a spot and I just don't care. (laughs) Like that is, I mean, you don't want to say it's brave,
1: but it is brave. It's really brave to do that. I love it. I, I just, what I love is when someone goes, this is my character. I'm going to, Buy in 100%. I'm not afraid of the heat I might get. I'm going to embrace it. And Charles Crowley embraces getting hated and will make himself look as stupid as he can, will take any risk in the book, and has got to the top of TNT doing it and is one of the most notable names on the British scene as a result of it. He's bet on himself, and I love it.
0: Couldn't agree with you more. Like, it's just... It's been... A, a really fun few years to watch Crowley kind of come more and more into his own and really gain a, a larger understanding of what he can do within the pro wrestling world and bringing Alexis along for that ride too. I mean, Alexis brings a lot to that dynamic, obviously. I mean, you don't get the straits being evil without, without the woman being present there. Um, but at the same time, like Alexis is just, I haven't seen as much of Alexis as I have of, of Charles personally and i feel like that's a crime i've done to myself because after watching this match i need i that's another person i need to see more of is alexis falcon for sure um and of course all of that i love that charles and alexis can do that but at the same time they're not overshadowing the other villainous presence that we have in this match with Shay monet um someone who is like integral to this show happening integral to you know having Effie in this main event in a way, you know, and, and it is kind of, it is a bummer that we weren't able to get the bussy versus uh, United Queendom original match. Cause I think having Visage for all that they have done in, in the pro wrestling world to have that main event would have just been amazing for them to, to finally have that sort of highlight spot. I'm sure it will. I'm, I'm hoping that will get that somewhere down the line for Visage because Visage deserves it a thousand times over. Um, But being able to kind of work, like spin it on the fly a bit and put this match together in the way that they did. And it, it just felt like Shay and Charles and Alexis really gelled with one another. But at the same time, like as we saw towards the end of the match, like you see like there's still a bit of a, a impasse in a way.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's what we get in broadcasting a lot, isn't it? You got plan A and then something comes up, and it's really unfortunate timing, it's happenstance, it's coincidence, but something comes up, and you have to adjust on the fly, uh, or or a couple of weeks out, or a month out, whatever, whatever line, and this is true for anyone, whatever line of work you're in, the key to how good you are is how well you adjust, and you're absolutely right. Sure, this isn't what they originally planned, but that six-person unit both felt like a unit, but felt as it went on, as if the cracks were beginning to show not easy to do storytelling wise really really worked i just thought it was great i i loved the match i thought the crowd were there for it i mean and we got everything we, we just as we said we we got the bit of filth we got the dive from the from the balcony we got you know, the sixty-nine drop into a Centon. We got we got the cutter, code red spinning suit. If you just wanted good wrestling, there, you've got that. But we got that gritty, guttural, you know, just need to have a wash and a hot shower afterwards. But then I want to dive right back in to get some more of that. It it's you ever have a huge meal, which you know is really bad for you, but as you eat it, you enjoy every drop. That was this
0: match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I I know the feeling of trash dinner very well. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's no better dinner than trash dinner. That's, that's no better.
0: One. Oh God. It feels so good. It's so good. No, like I, I truly adored this match. Like I felt like all six of them worked really well together. I love the pairing of Effie, Allie, and, and session moth it just works mm-hmm. so well like obviously with like the overt sexuality to all of their gimmicks at times <laughs> and, and their offense at times as well i will always celebrate charles crowley for you know doing like having the uh you know the drop toe hold into the head like head butt into the crotch spot and just instead of selling it just like getting into it and like putting Falcon's head back down there, and I was like, ah, okay, that's something I haven't really seen in wrestling before, and I can under. I'm like, uh, but also, oh, like, yeah, it's there. It's there, um, well, it's and there it was- though,
1: right, doesn't it? it, it, it anyone yeah. else, you'd be going, ooh, 2023, mm-hmm. not sure on that, but this guy's character, knowing they all consent backstage to what's going on, it doesn't, to me, What it doesn't feel exploitative, it doesn't feel wrong, it feels that is just what that character would do.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. And then, and you mentioned it, Shay diving off the balcony, just oh, so good. Um, and of course that the it leads us towards the the end of this match. Like I believe Falcon and Session Moth fight to the back, and then we get the um the Doomsday uh, sack rider combination to to pin Charles Crowley, uh, and then of course the post match. Charles turns on Shay and Shay gets to you know get get his moment there in that scissors kick on Charles and then you know that embrace between Shay Effie and Allie just I could you could feel the emotion in that moment that like, you could see the tears on Shay's face you could like how much this whole not just that moment but this entire night meant to him really and then of course the patented you can't have a big gay brunch without Effie giving a, a speech at the end of it. And 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 it was very, very on point, you know, and a lot of the same things he said in Los Angeles um at the end of that show, but also like talking about how the line I I always pull from, from, from this one, and it's gonna stick in my head for, for a long time. Like I didn't start working heel, I just I just people I just found the people that understood me hmm. and wanted to come on this journey with me, right? I'm sure I'm paraphrasing there a bit, but like that's that's that idea of like you know, not acquiescing to the pro wrestling world's historic view of LGBTQ people and rather creating something completely different for a community that is on the rise and needs the people that are in the position like Effie, like Allie, like Dark Sheik, you know, like Shay at this point. Cause I would put Shay up there right now after the, after this event for sure, especially for the UK. Um, like you need these people that you can look up to and that you can see yourself in and, and, as pro wrestling the fandom of pro wrestling has diversified more and more of those people are you know they're finding their people and it's just a beautiful thing to see it is and and i always think it's it's
1: easier to jump on someone else's creation than build it from scratch and effie has built something beautiful from scratch and we get to sit here and enjoy it i can't imagine the hours the the weeks, the months of of getting it off the ground, getting it running, building a brand, any one of these could have been a failure for any number of reasons. They're not because he's got this vision and he's brought other people along with him for the ride. And it is amazing. And, And I'm sure each of these individuals, unless they've been very lucky, everyone on that card will have gone on journeys in their own personal life that may have led them to question, can I be my authentic self? And then, okay, I can, can I be in front of an audience? Can I be and get the audience to react in the way I want? Can I make this my career? Every person on that card has taken a risk to be themselves. And, and I know it may feel to us as we watch them, or oh, it may not feel like a risk. And I hope as we continue on this journey, it's, it's it, we can get to a point where, where there is no, but for some of these folks, it is still a risk. You just don't know. We're, we're better. We're not best. It's good. It's still not great. We're still on a journey. I have all the respect in the world for, for folks who go out and do this. And for everyone on this card, you know there'll be 10, 20 watching who just think, okay, ne- next year I'm going to come out and I'm going to be on that card. Or in two years I'm going to – or oh, it's awakened something in me I, I didn't know I had. Um, Wrestling, eh? It's never just what goes on in the ring.
0: No, it never is. People that think it is are extremely short-sighted.
1: Do you understand people who don't understand wrestling? I've really tried. I try to be tolerant, but now I just look and I go, "I don't." I what don't you love?
0: <laughs> I've I have tried. I I do continue to try, um, and I will say this: it makes for interesting conversation whenever I'm trying to explain to them about things, yeah. and usually I'm able to win them over. But you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll run into the person that that I have to work a little bit harder with at some point.
1: Well, we'll you must see. be more convincing than me because I get some <laughs> folks who they who they they don't get it and you know what I uh, my stock answer now is well you're missing out because look what better way to spend two and a half hours than than with this show right like yeah y- you don't need anything else if you've never seen wrestling get this show on five matches all of them different all of them great all different characteristics what more could you want
0: exactly exactly it's the, it's the perfect entry point that, and that's what the big gay brunch has been for a long time. And will continue to be, um, Jack. Any uh, any final thoughts on on the show or anything that stood out to you or anything that you'd like to share?
1: I, I I just I'm so grateful to to some and I've probably made this point a lot. Just so grateful to Effie for doing it. I'm going to say again, I'm grateful to you for what you do because you sign such a huge spotlight on so many of these folks. And I know here on the UK scene that we are very aware of what you do and very grateful for the spotlight you shine on, on folks from the LGBTQ plus community. I know it is a huge passion. So thank you to you for what you're doing. I know that the video at the end of Effie's Gay Brunch said, we'll be back in 2024. I need to find out where that's going to be and see if I can wrangle myself onto commentary duties. And if I can't get commentary duties, I want to be on the front row because I want to be there. And and hopefully you'll make a trip over the pond and and maybe we can meet in person and you can be here as well.
0: You know, I've I've never been to, to Europe before and I've always wanted to go. And, you know, sometimes you just find motivations to do things. You know, I, let's just put it this way. Like I might be looking to see what the cost looks like to go to the big gay brunch in 2024 over. I'm assuming it'll be back in Liverpool, but you never know. I don't Mm know. I don't know where if TNT runs some other spots. So,
1: but. Well, hopefully wherever it is, we'll see you there. And um, hopefully it'll be, it'll continue to deliver. I can't believe it won't, but no awful lot of fun. And thank you for having me to, to, to look at it with you. I enjoyed every minute of it.
0: Oh, thank you for, for coming on and, and offering your, your viewpoint and your expertise in the UK scene. I couldn't have covered the show without someone who f- was from the area and knew about the scene. it it wouldn't have worked.
1: I, I, you had a big gay brunch. You needed a big gay Brit. And I was, I was ready to be that man.
0: Yes. I, yes. I love it. Let everybody know where they can uh, find you online or where they can check out uh, your work. Uh, that's very
1: kind of you. Um, There's more social medias and you can shake a stick at at the moment. If you put Jack underscore Murley, wherever you do your socials, you'll probably find me. Um, if, if you like not just wrestling, but sport in general, I do the LGBT sport podcast, just put LGBT sport, wherever you get your pods from, you'll find it. Uh, and also a wrestling podcast called earning the push. Again, if you put that in, you'll find it. I tweet about them regularly Um, and hopefully you'll join us for the journey. And hopefully I can come back on with you, Brian, to chat wrestling again in the future. Cause I've loved it.
0: Oh, we will definitely have to do that for sure. Thank you so much, Jack.
1: Pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: My thanks to Jack once again for coming on the show and, and chatting about Big Gay Brunch UK with me. I am uh, looking at getting my passport sorted out. Who knows what that might bring for next year around the time of the Big Gay Brunch UK. Cross fingers and always hope to try and do something. And we'll see if, if the the right things fall into place for that to happen. I would love to experience that environment over there though. And and to be at that show, Um, you know, i went to the big A brunch in LA. That was the first one I've been to in person. And uh, I need more of that. No matter how many times uh, I have to go back for it or how far I have to travel for it. It is an experience to, uh, to take in for sure. And one is never enough, never enough. Um, That's going to do it for us. This week, um, as always, if you would like to support the show uh, beyond just the listening and downloading that, that all of you lovely, lovely listeners do, um, we do have our Patreon over at patreon.com slash lgbtringpod. You can join the roster of lovelies and uh, be counted among the names of uh, that crew here on this show, on every episode of the show. You know, people like Val Capone, Alex E., and Jerry Legend, um, who we extremely thank for, uh, continuing to support the show over on Patreon. Um, I understand it's not feasible for everybody and that's totally fine. You know, just keep spreading the word about the show. Um, if you feel so moved, rate, uh, and review us on your podcast service of choice, uh, that always is, is a, is a help over here. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I, this, this is a really fun show to revisit. Big game brunch is going to be great this weekend. Um, uh, the Terry Funk episode is, is really good, even if our movie breakdown is a little bit different than how we normally do movie breakdowns. So it's very much just us kind of eating our, our cake and having the the moment to have some fun after the, the heaviness of that moment as well uh, in the process of you know uh, remembering Terry Funk. And um, yeah, I think that's everything. We'll be back next week with another episode of the show, but until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted, if at all possible. Same goes for Monkeypox. Um, and more than likely, whenever y'all are listening to this, if you're listening to this on the morning that it releases, Thursday morning, um, I will probably in, go, be in uh, the hospital for surgery. Um, so, yeah. Thumbs up that that goes well. I'm sure it will, but more thumbs up would always help, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bye Everybody was ready to die
1: They didn't see it coming from the dive in the bridge She made a deal with the demon till a lover commits With the moon is and the devil is job is the formula six six six